0: It's great to be here again today. Uh, it's great to see you all here. I, I trust that you're not just here for the freak show to see what's going on. Uh, hey, let's go look at him or something like that. Uh, we're so thankful uh, for the reception that you have given us uh, these last few weeks at Bear Valley Church. Uh, we started off, I, uh, Caleb and I, my oldest son, we went to uh, the men's retreat, and that was just an amazing time, and you men were uh, so kind to us and so welcoming, and we felt like uh, we were with family immediately again. And uh, then uh, we went home, and I tried to share that with my wife and the other kids, and um, then we packed up the rest of our possessions and threw them in a U-Haul, and then we showed up uh, on that last Wednesday and uh, just an amazing reception. We were a little late um, because we were in a U-Haul, and I thought you could go like 75 or 80, up to 58, and it just didn't work that well. Uh, uh, but uh, we we were blown away uh, as we pulled up to our house, and uh, uh, many of you folks were there to greet us and to uh, lift our junk into our house, and uh, that was... It, just felt so good, and then, and then last week, um, you know, just the overwhelming uh, sense of gratitude from you. Uh, we're, we're so thankful to be here. Uh, we're so thankful as a family, and uh, me as the leader of this uh, bunch uh, of a uh, bunch of six, our family. Uh, I'm so thankful uh, for what you have done to make us feel welcome. Uh, you are truly uh, kind to us and gracious, and uh, so we're thankful. This morning uh we're gonna take a, a second in our series of the power of the church, the power of the church, and I want to remind you um that sometimes we don't feel all that powerful. Uh I know that maybe even in the last uh, uh months as you have been uh, here at Bear Valley Church and uh maybe you've thought about your church and the church where you are connected and where you go and you say, I just haven't felt all that powerful. I haven't felt like we are uh, this amazing force in the community. And I I really want to draw us back. Last week, we talked about really fellowship, fellowship with Christ and with each other and how that's a powerfully active thing that we need to be doing. Uh, We have the greatest opportunity in Tehachapi to make that happen because we're a small community. Did any of you see, outside of any church-related activities, did any of you see anyone else from church this week? Raise your hand. Yeah. Uh, You're watching each other play terrible golf down at the golf shack. You're out walking your dog. Uh, You were out shopping at Albertsons or Save Mart or you were at the mall, Kmart. And, uh, (laughs) you know, you you were out doing things and you saw people. Some of you saw people dropping kids off at school and picking them up. You saw each other at sports events. You saw each other at your jobs. And these are the opportunities that we have, not just to high five each other and say, good to see you, but to really encourage one another and be the church. Uh, I think that one of the dangers of having a beautiful building, and we have a beautiful building here. uh, It's just, you know, to come back, uh, it's funny. The last five years we've been in a junior high cafeteria. And so my kids, to come here, they're just like, wow, you know, look at it. It's got like chairs and seats and rooms, and this is amazing, you know. and yet this this will never be the church, this will never be the church. this building will never be the church. We will forever be his church, his bride, and so we are really that wherever we go, and so uh, to think about that as we move on this morning, um, I was sharing with Rebecca as I was thinking of preaching that this is the um, the simplest passage, kind of the simplest concept for me to preach. And and I keep on thinking this in my own mind as I'm thinking over this topic. I go, duh. Duh. you know. And, and you're saying, well, why would he say that? Um, this morning we're going to talk about the Word of God. Word of God being the power of the church. <laughs> duh. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Uh, it just seems so obvious. It seems so obvious. And if I could just share with you a little of my own testimony, how I... I got to the place where I trusted that this would be the foundation for my life and uh really the center part of the church. I grew up in a church like that. Uh when I kind of grew a brain uh growing up and uh finally was in tune with what was going on in the church, you know, sophomore in high school somewhere around there. Uh we had a great pastor. Um and hopefully one day you'll meet him. He's still in the area, and uh, I'm in contact with him, but uh, he just kind of did this. We'd get together, and he'd open it up, and he'd say, please turn in your Bible. This was his big introduction. Please turn in your Bibles, too. That was his big introduction every week. Um, really got us into the passage, right? It got us into it, right? And uh, And he modeled that before me And I just thought, that's what you do. You read the Bible, you learn it, you understand it, and then you obey it. And uh, not that I did that perfectly, in fact, not even close, but that just seemed the obvious God has spoken to us that we should listen. Once I got out of high school, uh, I felt like God was uh, calling me to ministry. And so I started working with the junior high group, and they let me teach uh, and I remember very vividly uh, teaching for the very first time this great pastor that I referred to you about. Uh, I had some money for graduation, and so I asked him what should I I, I want to buy some books so I can study the Bible better tell me so he gave me a list of books and I bought them, and I got these books and uh, I remember I was going to teach these junior hires, and I was going to study for the first time. I was just going to go for it, and so I took these books, about two hundred dollars worth of books. And um, and I just went for it. Like, I, I studied everything I could possibly study about this passage. And I got up in front of these 15 junior hires. They're sitting on the floor. And I, I so I was real excited. And I had a chalkboard behind me. That's kind of like a whiteboard for you younger people. Uh, and I started writing on it. And I remember I wrote for a few minutes, and I had some stuff. And then I turned around, and they just went. And I thought, wow. Wow. Uh, that 's the challenge of bringing god 's Word into the hearts of people, and it was uh, just a process that obviously we would come from this dear book, obviously and so this morning, I want you to turn uh, to First Thessalonians chapter two, and we're going to take the duh passage from first Thessalonians and yet I hope uh, that as you consider this with me. And as we really uh, consider God's word, uh, we will think about this church, this church, Bear Valley Church. It's interesting. I think sometimes you read maybe Christianity Today or uh, you see online something about churches across America. And and sometimes we like to say, oh, the Church of America is dying, and uh, Church of America has got so many problems, and the uh, this church, we need to be more of this and that. And really, uh, all that stuff out there doesn't really matter a whole lot. It's what matters right here in our hearts as we seek to serve Him right here. So as we look at our church, um, I, I really think as we are a church of God's Word, we will be a church that we can be thankful for, that we can be joyful about, that we can be happy that we are a part of. And I I really sense this in this passage as Paul talks about this, that he has an overwhelming sense of joy simply because of the Word of God contacting the lives of his people if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you just uh, a small section of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says this in verse 13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is the word of God, which is at work in you believers. God, thank you uh, for your word. And that it's not just a book that your Holy Spirit works in us as it has been inspired, uh, inspired by your Holy Spirit, written down by men and preserved over generations and time, languages. And now for us to hear, hear today that we might read it, and receive it and accept it and by your Holy Spirit empowering us to do all these things that we in the end might obey it and receive the joy that comes from being obedient children doing what you've called us to do. God thank you for this opportunity to be before your word in Jesus name amen. You may be seated. Simple passage, right? Verse 13. We also thank God constantly. We thank God constantly. Paul, as he was sharing about this church in the book of 1 Thessalonians, he's very thankful for them. He's thankful for their relationship. And I love the way Paul writes because he always at the forefront of his mind sees people not just as a number, a number, but as a soul, a soul first needing to be saved and then once saved have this incredible partnership and not just a partnership, but a family relationship with one another. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? That as we go about our community and as you see people from this church right here, that you see them not just as people who live in Bear Valley, people who live in my community in town, people who kids go to the same school or people who work together, but we see each other in a, in a partnership of the gospel in a family relationship that goes far beyond anything that we can have here on this earth. What an amazing thing. And as Paul thinks of them and as he's writing to them, he's thankful. He's thankful. And as he reflects on his relationship with this church, he says, I I thank God. I thank God. I remember back when. And it's the picture of him being a preacher, being someone really a church planner, if you'd see him as that, that he had gone to these people and he he had shared with them. And he's reflecting on those days and reflecting on who they are now. And he says, I'm so thankful to God. I'm so thankful to God. Um, this last, uh, Wednesday, uh, everyone was doing homework at the house except for Daniel and I, I don't know what my daughter was doing actually, but, um, my son Daniel, he's in third grade and he blew through his homework or whatever. And it was Wednesday night and I was in Bear Valley. So what do you do on Wednesday night when you're in Bear Valley? You go to the high school group, of course, come on. It was like a twitch. I was back in town, and I was like, Wednesday night, you got to go to... So I showed up. I showed up, and Daniel and I, we kind of sat in the back row, and I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. It was so... It was, it was like... I, I was. It was so weird. I almost had a heart attack right in the back seat, because you know what happened? Jimmy Murren and Sammy Stevens got up, and they led me in worship. It was the weirdest thing in the world. It was so weird. You, you, you understand how that would be kind of weird? Some of you, you know, when you see people grow like like this, just week after week, it's no big deal. But when you're gone and you think about, you know, it, it was weird. And I was thankful my heart was filled. And I was thinking of my son Daniel, who's in third grade, and I'm going, maybe God can do something with him. You know, what's going to happen when he's that big? What's going to happen? And you understand why it's great to see people grow spiritually, right? You understand that, right? And as you reflect on people that you've known and you've seen, and now they continue on and go on and still love the Lord, you can sense how that would warm Paul's heart as he thinks about that, right? Of course. Of course. And he says, I I thank God as I think of you that this is a a constant rejoicing in his heart. And you say, well, what was it about them that caused him to rejoice? Caused him to rejoice for this. In verse 13, once again, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. You accepted it. I think about that. I think about that over and over again. Uh, most of you know we've been up in the Bay Area the last uh, five years, just north of San Francisco. If you know the area at all, um, we were just north of the most affluent uh, county, really, of California, Marin County, and Marin County. Uh, you know spaceships land in Marin County it's just one of those places where uh, a lot of um you know rockers that have lived their life and uh have a few dollars left over that they they go to Marin and they they think all their deep thoughts of all their uh, the repercussions of the years prior and uh they are living there and and, and there's much mysticism and uh, great ideas of how the world should work which will never work that way and as as i thought of that area and really the way we have lived there the one thing that came up over and over in these last five years is the bible is the bible is is what do you do with the bible and there's really two things that i i see in this passage that are super simple is first of all Will you listen to the Bible? Will you listen to the Bible? Will you open it up, read it, study it, hear preaching? Will you listen to the Bible? Will you listen to the Bible? Many times over the last five years when you're trying to plant a church, we purposely named the church up there, Church at Petaluma. What does that tell you about the church? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. You know why? Because we didn't want people to look on the internet and say, I don't want to go to that church. We wanted them to come and then say, I don't want to go to that church. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Uh, over the years, uh, we had many, many visitors. Many visitors. They would come. And uh, some even walked out right in the middle. Some even right, right out of you walked right in the middle. Some of you you'd see them sitting there and as as I would be preaching, they'd be going You know, you're nodding your head and, is there a problem? You know you, you know that's the first that's the first issue. Will you listen to the scriptures? Will you listen? Will you take it in? Will you be willing to sit and to pay attention and to try to understand what God is saying? And as Paul thought of this group of people that were now the church he he said he it just fills his heart with thanksgiving and he's constantly thanking for what for what And when you receive the word of God which you heard from us it's interesting it's hard to picture this but when they had heard from the apostle Paul and those other apostles the book of First Thessalonians hadn't been written yet, okay? And so they were bringing the message. They were apostles, apostles. And I really want you to get the picture here that they are the apostles, as the scripture says. That when they were the instrument that God used to bring a message to these people, and when they heard the message, they didn't just go, well, that's interesting, I'll think about that for a while. I'll consider that along with the other things that I think. But they received and they would listen to these apostles as they came. That's the first thing that you can consider in your own heart is will you listen? Will you listen to God's word? Will you open it up for yourself? Will you read it? You have it with you. It's always interesting to me when you move, you start uh, getting your possessions And I don't know how many Bibles, I don't have a clue how many Bibles the Boesler's own. They're everywhere. And when you move, you find more, right? They're they're just everywhere. Oh, that was my Bible for camp. That was my Bible for the men's study. That was my Bible for church. That was my Bible for preaching. That was my Bible for studying. You know, this is my pocket. You know, you're going, whoa. do you have one for leap year and stuff like that? I, I mean, your Bible's everywhere will you open them? Will you read them? Will you receive it? Will you first receive it? Church of Thessalonica, they, they did. They did. In fact, they did. And Paul, as he was reflecting, he said, that was so good. That was so good. And to be, to be honest with you here today, and this is part of the reason I say duh to this passage, this is Bear Valley Church. This is Bear Valley Church. You know, as I think of our relationship over the years, and even prior to me uh, being connected to Bear Valley Church, you've always done this. You've always done this. You've always listened to God's word. Not that you've obeyed it, but you've always considered it valuable. You've considered it valuable. Not that we've always done everything, but you've you've desired it. You've desired it. That's blessed blesses church over the years. Is that it's the power. It's that you're willing to listen to the word of God. He says, you were, you had a reception for it. You, you gave it time and energy and attention. But not just that. And this is the part that is so important for us to get. And I realize it may just be a couple of degrees off in our minds. You say, well, I've been listening to God's word for years. I, I've been hearing it. I've even studied it. Do you, you know how many Bible study books I have at home? You know, you got them all up on the shelf and you got them marked and you filled in every blank. You're diligent to fill in every blank. And you say, you know, I I have I, I have received it. I have received it. But Paul, as he describes what gives him gratitude in his heart, he says it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. And this is what makes a joyful church. This is what makes a church you can be thankful for. When you received the word which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but what it really is—the word of God. The word of God it may seem subtle, right? If you're a good, um, if you're a good cynical person and you hang out in the coffee shops of this world, someone says, "Well, the word of God," and you say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You're talking about the Bible, but I know. I know, that was just written by men too. I remember arguing with someone right out there. They saw me. I was going into my office. I was the dumb youth pastor. I didn't say it. Somebody else said it on Sunday and they caught me in the parking lot. They pulled in and they said, I want to talk to you about the Bible. Great. I thought I was gonna have a, I was going to have a great day. And they said, I know that that was just written by men. That was just written by men. I'm like, well, yeah, well, yeah. It's inspired by God, written by men. So it's really just one man's opinion. That's the distinction, right? If this is just the word of men, there's that's different from being the word of God, correct? That's a huge difference, isn't it? I think about, you've gone into some of the big bookstores, Borders books, you've been into Borders lately? I was in there a couple of months ago, I was supposed to pick up a gift, and I was um, in the section, I was going to get a book on baseball, sorry, sorry, it's too much baseball, I realized. It was a gift for somebody else, and so I was looking for a specific book, and I had my back turned, and there was a guy sitting behind me, and he goes, it's a shame what they're doing in the NFL these days. I'm looking for a book on baseball, uh, you know, and, and he starts, he goes, can you believe it? And I go, Nope, can't believe it at all. Baseball, baseball, <laughs> focused. I turn around and there's this man, uh, his 50s, 60s, he's sitting there reading a book and he said, yeah, it's a big conspiracy. And he, he described to me how the NFL is this huge conspiracy. And I go, wow, hadn't thought about that. And then he moved from that to our country, to wars, to presidents, to, it, and and, and I, I had to stop him and I said, forgive me for asking this, but do you have a job? Do you have a job? He goes, no, I'm living off the fat of the land. And I go, I go, you know what? Um, you need to spend less time thinking and read. I don't know where you get all this information. And he says, well, I don't get it from the mainline source. And I said, I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that's true. Maybe you should start living and caring for the people. You know, he, he was—he didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I thought about the bookstore and just how that is. And 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 I, if you go to a section, you want to think about um, how about medicine, medicine. And you go into Borders books and you go in the section on medicine. They'll have a lot of books, won't they? I especially like that whole series of books, um, the Idiots and For Dummies books. That, that just is where I'm living, you know got a couple of those and and so some we we like to just distill it down and put one person's opinion over another but this is the thing that's so difficult is that all those books that are written in there except for the bibles are the word of men the bible's the word of god that's super important, and you say, "Well, what's the what's the big deal? Why are you trying to make such a, a fine point about that?" Let me give you an example. Um, during election years, have, do you enjoy listening to political speeches? I do, I do. I like debates, I like them all, and then afterwards, um, I, I like you know hearing about that, and then saying, "Well, do I believe what they said?" I believe what they said. You know, he had a good point there, but a bad point there. He's a man. He said this that was right, this that was wrong. Politics. Will you buy it? Will you buy it? Will you vote for me? That's what they're asking. I'm saying things. I've said a message. It's the word of men. Will you accept it? And if you accept it, will you vote for me? Salesmen. I know we have some salesmen in this church here. And I have been a salesman. And uh, there's a sense in which a salesman... He goes out there and he says, this is my product. This is why it's a good product. This is why you need this product. This is why this product is better than those other people's product that's very similar to this product. And this is why you should buy it from me, from me. And then the long pause. And you hope they say, yes, I'll buy it. (laughs) to get them to sign, to get them to buy into it. But all the while, us as good consumers, what do we do? We sit back and we're trying to, what are they trying to, how are they trying to pull the wool over my eyes? I have a friend who, um, I don't know if he still does this, but while he was in seminary, he didn't have any money. Like he had very little money. He was working, um, he just didn't have a whole lot of money. But on Sunday afternoons, he'd go to the car dealerships and he'd bargain for cars that he could never buy he just loved doing it you know and the whole time he was like sitting back just taking in all the sales pitches and going well that doesn't make you know and he's taking it in and and was never never bought a car there you know he didn't have any money a salesman a politician that these are the 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 words of men the words of men sometimes we have competing authorities where do you get your news where do you get your news I don't want to say it out loud. (laughs) CNN, Yahoo. (laughs) You know, it's funny about uh, Yahoo. I always look at Yahoo News, and they just grab their news from anywhere, and they'll throw it in there, right? And so sometimes I'll come up with some crazy ideas because of where I got my news from. Some of you go for, I I go with the Drudge Report. He really knows what's going on. Uh, Others of you say, well, you know, focus on the family. That's where I get my news You have these different sources. And and the problem with these different sources is they don't agree on the story. I always like doing that. When I see a big news story, I go, I'm going to check out Fox. I'm going to check out CNN. I'm going to check out some others. What do they have to say? This doesn't sound like the same event. Why? Because it's the word of men. Word of men. It's what they have to say on it. They're just men. They're limited. Some of them, and really, we're limited in so many senses, right? Some by sin, just by others by lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. Word of men. Opinion, opinion. I I think that so much of our news and so much of our shaping of who we are doesn't happen from some media. It It happens from our family and friends. That as we talk with them on the phone or we or we chat with them when we're together, or we're just spending time with them, what happens? We start talking about things, and they rub off on us. And their opinions become our opinions. But it's just the word of men. It's just the word of men. You see, this is where it comes down to. When it comes to the word of men, and I know we all feel this way, even if you're uh, a doctor, a doctor, have you gone to the doctor recently? And your doctor says, well, this is what needs to happen. Have you ever challenged your doctor? What do you know to challenge your doctor? <laughs> it's a question, isn't it? They've gone to school. And you say, well, they, that's just their opinion. I live with myself all the time. I, I, I know about what's going on with me. I, I, I've been, real, been with myself a long time. You know, we hang out a lot. And so there's a sense in which we feel on the same level with any man. With any man. That's what's great about our country, right? When you think of the top politicians or the wealthiest people, we realize in this country that they're just another person. They're just another person. And we feel, with all the opinions and all the ideas of life, that they're just men. They're just men. What we do with the word of men is we sit on the judgment seat and we say, I accept or I reject. If we see it in a court of law, we see ourselves as the judge in the seat with the gavel. They present their case, next, get out of here, dismissed, accept, jail. (laughs) We consider ourselves the final authority when it comes to the word of men. But I want you to see that what brought joy and brought prosperity in in God's eyes and, and blessing, it was not that they were smart enough to discern Paul's message as being the word of God. It was simply that they didn't think of it at all in that respect. But they thought of it as the word of God, as the word of God. You really see the the difference there, don't you? If it's men, you can argue all day long when it's God. He's God. I think one of the pictures that I think of when I think of how God knows me is that He is my manufacturer. He's the one who made me. And I know that if I have a product that's not working and I can't understand That can go to a lot of different people and they can help me. But if there's no one else that can help me, you go back to the manufacturer. Why? Because they made it. They made it. They understand the intricacies. They know how it works. And I know that He has made me. And so a message, the words from Him, wouldn't that be different? Wouldn't that hold greater weight? Wouldn't that be more exciting to get the answer, the the final answer? The Word of God. I think um, what is so startling as you read through over the Word of God over and over again and just different places and different scenarios, you realize that this book is a pouring out uh, of the love of God to his people. In fact, the message of love in the Bible, it's hard to even grasp because it doesn't make sense. We, we, we do it like this um, kind of in a marriage relationship. We go, okay, you know, you're looking for a wife or a husband, and uh, you finally get to that place. You kind of check each other out from a distance. You get to know one another. And then it comes to the place where you kind of say, well, I love you. It's a salesman thing again, right? You wait. You sit and wait and hope for the, the boomerang, right? And the, the response, if they don't say this, it's not a deal, by the way. The response should be, I love you too. And there's a sense in which that it's reciprocal, right? That, that uh, I, I have loved you and you love me and there's, it just keeps going back and forth, right? When you read the Word of God, that's not how it is at all that's not how it is at all it's one-sided love it's one side being faithful the other being unfaithful there's definitely a need for a response but it is not uh, god doesn't cease to be a loving god when we cease to love him you see, the, the thing that's so great about the word of God and the thing that should drive us, not just him being the manufacturer, but that the message of love, that this is a, a love letter from a God who loves you more than we can comprehend to us, should cause us to thirst for it. And as the church at Thessalonica, part of what they were doing is they understood this message and they go, this is a great message. I need to hear more. It should give us a thirst for more. Because it connects with our heart and we realize it's a love letter from a God who loves us so much. It's true. Did you know it's true? <laughs> Bible's true. Bible's true. I know that uh, with other sources uh, there, there always comes lies lies are always a tough thing, right? Because when you somebody lies to you, and you know that they've lied to you. You're confident that they lied to you. And you say, you know, I can forgive that. But the next time you hear them speak, you think to yourself, what? You think, I wonder if they're lying to me. <laughs> you know, last time they spoke to me, they lied to me. And so if I see a pattern for the future, chances are in time they will lie to me again. And so there's a difficulty when you look at information and a message. If it's a lie at one point, you've got to ask the question, what about the rest of it? Maybe I just haven't figured that out yet. Word of God's true. The Word of God's true. We have a confidence to knowing that even as the church of Thessalonica, as they heard the message from Paul and as they received it, they accepted it, as a word of god the word of god i know this to be true i know this to be true you be confident you think even of that doctor and he says hey these pills will fix you these pills will fix you these will make you better and you stand there looking at these pills and you go what if we got the wrong ones what if these make me sick? What if I'm allergic to these? What, you know? And you, there's a sense of trust that you must have. in the Word of God, if you know it's true, there's a sense of reckless abandon, which really isn't reckless at all, knowing that it's true. The Word of God. This book, uh, the commands in it, are also a directive, a directive, that it is uh, the the king of kings telling us, do this, do this. He loves us more than anything, and yet he says, do this. I, I want you to get that picture, and this really kind of brings it to the place of obedience. W- one of the things that I, I want you to hold me accountable to as a as a preacher of God's word, and the other pastors as well, in fact, anyone that... Uh, you have an opportunity to to hear preach is please don't allow us to soft sell the scripture. The, the, there's, no, there's no helpful hints here in this Bible. There's no helpful hints. There's no tips for living. There's no tips for living. There's a God who knows us best outlined for us the way to live. And he calls us and commands us to do so. He doesn't say to us, you know, this is kind of a better way. Why don't you put it next to you? And, and when you have some time, maybe you should consider these things. He says, no, do it. Do what it says. It's a beauty in the book of James, isn't there, when it says that. It talks about the word and it says, not just hearers of the word, but doers. Do what it says. Do what it says. It's a king giving us his message and saying, hey, this is what it is. The last word I, I want to use, and then I'll bring it to conclusion. as my previous point, is that this is authoritative, authoritative. It's the last word. It's the last word. It's the last and final word. And really, it, it's real simple. You have all other opinions, all other thoughts, they swirl around. We all have opinions, right? We should have a, a potluck over opinions, right? So what do you think? Well, you know what I think. No, but I'm about ready to hear, huh? Opinions. These are all the opinions and ideas. And the final word is right here. This is the authoritative word. Now this puts us in a different place. With the word of men, what are where are we where do we sit? We sit on the judgment seat, right? Is it right? Is it wrong? Do I buy it? Do I not buy it? It's a salesman. He throws out the pitch. I reject it. No, I need that. Bring it to me. But with the Word of God, this is the, the super important picture. Who sits on the judgment seat? Where, where is the authority? God's Word sits on the judgment seat of us. Of us you get that picture? Once again, in the book of James, he speaks of God's word as being a mirror to tell us who we are, to tell us where we are. And he says, what kind of person we are. This is what the word of God is. It is not something we come to with our ideas, but rather we come, this being the judge of us, and God's word, God tells us who we are as the Word of God penetrates our lives that 's why it 's so critical that we would be in god 's Word because we can forget we can forget hey i 'm doing great it 's everybody else who 's got the problem. You kidding me you know it 's interesting uh at um, we have problems in our house all the time you know our four kids and um my wife's perfect, but the rest of us, we just don't do so well. And, uh, and, and it's real easy to say, well, you know, when you're describing it, it's, I did everything right, it's them. And the, the figures just kind of point back and forth to whose problem it is. And, and depending on whose story you buy, you know, and, and there's a sense of who's most uh, at fault in these cases. But r- what's really interesting is that the Word of God is just a laser pointer to our own heart. It's just a laser pointer. And I don't know how many times, and you, some of you have shared this, I'm sure, with preachers as well. You say, you were talking to me today. You were talking to me. You were reading my mail. Did your Did my wife talk to you about who I am? And you know what's happening there? God's Word... His Holy Spirit, which is inspired long ago, still living and active. It's penetrating your heart in such a way where he's pointing out and showing you who you are and changing your life through the word of God. I got ahead of myself, didn't I? What's that last part of verse 13? What's the last part of verse 13? That's when you're supposed to even look down, even if you're just looking at your watch. But as it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers, you believers. You know what? The word of God was changing. He was changing the lives of the the church at Thessalonica. That it wasn't just at that one point in time that it was going on. It was growing. And just as we will change and grow through interaction with God's message, this is what's going to happen that we're not going to stay the same. Why? Because this is the book that works in the life of believers. I think it's important to see that. It's sad to me that you can open this book and you can argue over it. You can even understand it. But if you have never trusted in the gospel, if you've never trusted in Jesus dying on the cross for your behalf and his resurrection, if you have not come to be a part of the family of God, that this book is just uh, academic exercise. It may be a piece of candy that gets you through the day, but it will not change your life. See, this book changes our life. I want to point out one last thing. Uh, It's not in verse 13, but if you go on, in the following verses, he says, for you brothers, uh, verse 14, for you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. Oh, good. Um, And then he says, for you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they they did from the Jews who killed both the, the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displease God and oppose all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved so as always to fill up the measure of their sins but God's wrath has come upon them at last Uh, I want you to get this picture here hey you accepted the word of God good there's joy there's joy in Paul for that there's a you accepted it you heard it and you accepted it not as the word of men that's that's insignificant but as the word of god authoritative beautiful a love letter from the manufacturer the one that we need to listen to but but as you read further you see the cost that it cost them suffering right is suffering that was connected with the other churches that had suffered from the Jews, the persecution of the Jews. He says, you 've suffered too I, w- I want you to I want you to get this that accepting the Word of God of obeying god 's Word, of treating it as the Word of God, it will come at a cost it will come at a cost i don 't know what that is for you i don 't know what that is. It may cost you a business deal here and there it may cost you a uh, a job altogether. It may cost you relationship, even with family members. But but there's a sense in which, I I want you to get this. When you have the right answer, you shouldn't change for anything, right? We talked about that last week. And if you know this book to be true, if you understand it as the word of God, and you realize you've come to that understanding, it's game over from there. You're off the market. When I say off the market, you, you know about that, right? If you're out buying a car, if you're looking for a house, if you uh had a different product that you want to buy, consumer reports, and you're looking through it. Even in relationship, if you're single, and you're looking, right? You're out there looking. There's a sense of like, Hey, I'm thinking this through and it's kind of on my mind. If you're looking for a car, you see it on the road and you're kind of, hey, that's kind of that's a little bit different than I want. Maybe I wonder where they got it. Okay, you're, you're thinking those things through. But then once you get it, you're like, eh, done. Done. I got the right answer. You know what? As God's people, as God's people, the church at Thessalonica, they were done. They were done. There's there no other decisions, right? This is the book that they would grow to, grow to love, because it was the Word of God, even at cost, even at cost. I trust that as we are that kind of church, that we will be a church that we can be thankful for. There will be a sense of uh, constant and overwhelming joy that comes from us uh, embracing God's Word in this way, and that we will be uh, a church that has power, power that's seen, because of the power of the word of God. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity of considering your word. Uh, may we be uh, like the church at Thessalonica in this way, that we hear your word and not just hear it, but that we hear it as and we accept it as words from you. Your word, the word of God. Honor yourself and your church, I pray.